Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Networks. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Welcome. You're listening to Mark My Words here on the Life Coach Radio Network. I'm Mark Shaw, broadcasting live from New York City. I'm a certified life and business coach, and twice per month I host Mark My Words, which is a life coaching-oriented show where I interview various people with inspiring stories of overcoming adversity. And I also speak with authors of great coaching-related books and programs, as well as many others who have great things to say. And sometimes I coach listeners who call in live on the air. So tune in the first and third Sunday of every month. Before we begin tonight's episode... Uh, I just want to say something briefly um, about the recent tragic events that took place in Orlando, Florida. My heart goes out to everyone affected by this, to those 49 people, young people, who were senselessly murdered, to their families, their friends, their loved ones, to the rest of the LGBTQ and Latino communities in Orlando and around the country and ultimately around the world. I'll have more to say about this on July 17th episode of Mark My Words when I discuss the tragedy in more detail from numerous angles with two special guests who are leaders in the LGBTQ community. For now, I would just like to give a moment of silence to honor those lost in the attack before we begin tonight's episode. Thank you, and with that love in our hearts, let's now begin tonight's show. Tonight is another live coaching hour. The number to call in if you'd like to be coached about something you're challenged by or stuck in in your life is 646-716-9397. We've already got some callers in the queue, uh, so let's jump in uh, and get started. So first, we have Amy. Uh, Amy, welcome to Mark My Words. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. Great. Well, you're very welcome. Excited to have you on the show. So uh, what are we coaching you about tonight, Amy? What's going on for you? Um, so I am uh, living in New York City, and I'm going to be moving back to my uh, home country, which, uh, as I'm sure you can probably guess, is England, um, <laughs> in a few weeks. And it's been really interesting being away from home because um, I have um, kind of some challenging um, situations with um, both of my parents, more one than the other, um, being very difficult to interact with, really not um, respecting my boundaries, um, and uh, just being very aggressive. And uh, obviously having mm-hmm. been away for a while, 
I've kind of been free from that and I've, you know, just had phone calls here and there and uh, it's been much easier to deal with. But now I'm obviously going to be in much closer proximity and I'm a little bit worried about it. Sure. Well, that that anxiety is understandable, um, being that uh, it's it's a little easier to invade your privacy and cross those boundaries when they're in close proximity geographically. So, um, uh, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, how long have you been away from there? Uh, two years and four months. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh a little bit more about in what ways are they uh are they difficult? Uh you said they're aggressive, they they cross your boundaries. Uh tell me a little bit more about that. Um so they both have a very very short fuse um and get very frustrated um with people very easily. Um so it's not specific to me. Um, but it's something that troubles me both when I'm witnessing it, when it's happening to other people, and then also, you know, when it's happening to me. Um, I don't think I had very strong boundaries when I was um, living in England before, but now I do. And so um, it's really uh, now to me is just like not acceptable. Um, but -hmm. because they're not used to that, they don't know how to respond um, when I try and say, hey, can you, like, not yell at me, please? Um, mm-hmm. They just um, kind of uh, crush me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So, so I'm guessing know, you, then that... You don't it, understand how hard it is for me, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Okay. So it, it sounds like what I'm getting is that... Um, you used to not assert yourself in the face of, of, of their behavior uh, mm-hmm. when you said you didn't have, you used to not have strong boundaries, but now you do and they don't know how to deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that sometime over the last uh, two years or so, you have started pushing back on that or speaking up to it when they do it and their reactions have not been, uh, have not been good. Am, am I right about that? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of, uh, Either I've hit a wall. Um, with my dad, it's more that I just hit a wall. It just doesn't go anywhere. Um, uh-huh. The only resolution is if I back down. Um, with my mom, it's that it actually becomes more inflammatory. Mm. Gotcha. And I should mention they're not together. They just both happen to be very challenging people. <laughs> ah, okay. So, oh, so at least you're you're probably not dealing with them in the same moment very often. Exactly. Is that true? <laughs> Okay. All right. (laughs) It's the little things. It's the little things in life, right? So, uh, okay. So, tell me a little bit about how did you develop the boundaries that you're now talking about that that you're talking about having now achieved in the last two years? Mm, Great question. Um, Very, very consciously, um, I think I I read a book called um, The Power of No. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and I realized that I was never, ever saying no to anything, um, uh-huh. partly because I believe in taking opportunities and partly because I just really love people and I want to make them happy. And so um, I would end up saying yes to things to keep people happy when in my gut, I, if I was honest with myself, I kind of knew that I didn't necessarily want to say yes to everything. Um, mm-hmm. So I read that book and it really triggered um some experimenting with saying no for me. Um, 
and with uh, you know speaking up when something didn't make me comfortable, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it just very very quickly you know it was very hard initially, but then I found it so transformative, um, so freeing and liberating, mm-hmm. and um, just my happiness reached whole new levels. Wow! In all of my, and, so just- and, and and actually all of my relation. Pretty much all of my relationships, um, the respect uh-huh. that people started having for me just elevated um, significantly, which was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, congratulations on that, because I would imagine that that wasn't easy work to do. No, it wasn't. <laughs> and yeah. there were a few people who, who just d- didn't accept it, and I had to kind of unfortunately shed them. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, that's an, an inevitability, I think. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, it's very common when uh, when someone does work on themselves and they change the way they interact with people in their relationships from a less empowered way to a more empowered way, that sometimes there are people that don't like that new contract and they walk away. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's probably what you experienced. Um, a little harder when it's your parents, though, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can't walk away from them. I, yeah, you know, they brought me into this world. I will always be grateful to them for that. Yeah, yeah. How 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 similar are their reactions to those of the people who aren't in your life now? Um, <laughs> pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the laughter saying? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, tell it, me about it, the laughter. Just is, it just is making me realize that, oh, quite honestly, if they weren't my family, they wouldn't be in my life at all. Anymore. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. So how? So also a very common sentiment that so many people have that you know family members that they're like, okay, if this person wasn't a family member, like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have them in my life. Um, how does it feel though? Like all kidding aside for a moment, how does it feel when you say that about your mom and dad? Yeah, I mean it's very sad. Um, I was raised by my grandparents, and um, mm-hmm. I always saw my grandparents as um, both family members and as friends. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, um, the two who um, took primary care of me um, are no longer here, um, and that's something mm-hmm. that I struggle with uh, on a regular basis. I miss them constantly. Um, but I believe that spiritually, you know, they're still kind of around and they're still, you know, they're floating around with their little angel wings on, um, checking in on me and sending me good vibes. But um, having experienced that and that being something that I aspire to in my future family, um, mm-hmm. I definitely, I, I find it very sad that that's the case with my parents. And I find it a waste, honestly. Uh-huh. A waste. Tell me more about what you mean by that. Um, I I think that we're all um, lucky to be alive and lucky to have each other. Um, And I think that when people are being very aggressive and confrontational, I think it's a waste of that beauty of being alive and of having each other. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm hearing that you have a real high value uh, on family and the connection mm-hmm. to, you know, your, uh, you said it was your grandparents that, that raised you. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very strong connection. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, as you think, Amy, about how you're going to try to approach this uh, when you when you go back home, what what do you think you might say? What, what, what's occurred to you thus far uh, about mm-hmm. what you might say to them? <clears throat> so. Um, I've kind of tried to uh, broach it in advance to kind of ease the um, the shock for them. Um, I did go back a few months ago um, and for the first time really exercised those boundaries in person. Um, and I would say for in a, in a relatively um, gracious way, I was kind of proud of myself. Um, and then now this time going back um, with my mother specifically, you know, she's asked me to go and stay with her to take care of her. Um, and I have told her in advance that I, I just, I can't do that. Um, I, that it's Me to actually just, live with her permanently to take care of her? Not permanently, but for several weeks. Mm-hmm. Um and I just don't feel able to do that. She's not in a um, in a compatible mental state for me to be able to do that and still fully retain my sense of, of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I don't think it's right to expect it um, or mm-hmm. to feel entitled to it. It, it just it doesn't feel right to me. Um, so I kind of expressed that in the most loving way that I possibly could. And um, she's very, very upset with me. She doesn't understand why, why I won't go and stay with her. And I've said, you know, I'll pop in each day. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel able to stay there each, you know, solidly, each night and each day. Sure. Yeah, you know, it, it, as you say that, it feel it, the feeling I get as you say it is that it 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 feels it feels solid and it feels very grounded. It feels like that mm-hmm. comes from a very solid and grounded place of taking care of and asserting yourself. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Sound you. Very That's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How does that feel to hear that? Yeah, it feels really, really good to hear that. Really good to hear that. Because yeah. um, you know it's, it's it's not something that I take pleasure in saying. You know, I, I really right. do come from a place of love in all of my relationships, and it wasn't easy for me to say that to her. But I feel like it's important to um, to be clear about my boundaries in advance. You know, it would be very easy for me to say, "Oh yeah, sure, I'll come and stay with you," and then get back, and then actually, you know, stay for a couple of days, and then say, "You know what? I can't handle this." But I think that would be more upsetting for her. And I really want yep. to try and protect her feelings and not um, provoke her unnecessarily. She's in a very, very fragile state. And mm-hmm. I, you know, really feel, um, uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting. I actually feel kind of a bit of a maternal instinct towards mm-hmm. her. Um, a few people mm-hmm. have kind of said to me that it's like I'm, I'm parenting her. Um, and it's kind of been that way for quite some time. Um, but yeah, to hear it that, that it sounds grounded. Uh, 
for almost forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so even as a, even as a kid, you felt you were in that role. Yeah, even as a kid, yeah. Um, it yeah. was always, you know, her getting me to do things, um, me trying to calm her down, me trying to make her happy because she was always very unhappy. She took an overdose when I was seven years old, and I called the ambulance and, you know, was the one there trying to, like, calm her down, and that uh, was shortly before I then uh, moved in with my grandparents. Mm. So is that why your grandparents raised you, because of her challenges? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, so this is big stuff. This isn't just um, this isn't just your average annoying parent thing. Um, no. It sounds like there are some, there are some pretty deep issues there. And when a child is put into the role, like you've been put, I don't know how much, how much you know about or have read about um, that kind of stuff, but when, there's, when a child is put into uh, the caretaking role of the parent so young, um, that's, that's just very damaging. And it's so, you know, it makes sense that you've got, I I would imagine that you've had, and maybe still have, I don't know, uh, but tons of emotional pain around, uh, around this and around your relationship with her. Um, Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a, honestly, it's kind of a big deal for me to even embrace her in my life at this point when I'm very clear Mm -hmm. about, the pain that she's caused um, but I believe very strongly in forgiveness and I do forgive her and I love her unconditionally and I know that she did the best that she could um, but it, it definitely does make it harder to kind of sometimes uh, be patient with, with these kind of things when they've been around for so long yeah yeah no absolutely I mean your buttons get pushed those buttons are really strongly wired and it probably doesn't take much of her saying something before you feel that button getting pushed. And, Mm. you know, it's, it probably happens pretty quickly. Um, And in a situation like you're talking about, that's pretty normal. That's pretty normal. Um, And I I also want to acknowledge you. I I hear as you speak about, um, as you speak about the situation, as you talk about her, I I can hear the the strong boundary work that you've done. Um, that's why I said it sounds like you can you're coming from a real grounded uh, and caring place. I don't hear anger towards her, um, mm. which I, I would almost expect to hear given what you're saying, uh, which says to me that perhaps you're you're much farther along in dealing with this uh, than many people are. Uh, who would still be in a lot of anger about it? I'm sure you still have some, you know, a lot of anger about it. But you don't. It doesn't sound like it runs you. It doesn't sound like you mm-hmm. live in it, you know. And when you were telling me about how you said no to her, <clears throat> it wasn't. I just didn't hear that it was coming from an angry, no freaking way kind of place. <laughs> it really came from a loving of self and of her. Mm-hmm. And that says a lot about the work that you've done. To set those boundaries yeah, lots of lots of yoga, lots of meditation, lots of hypnotherapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Which it sounds like would be great strategies to continue while you're there. Oh yes, definitely. Very, very important. I yeah. agree. Um. So, what do you think? 
might be, given all the incredible work you've done and you've done, and how how evolved you are as a person beyond where you were when you were last living over there, um, mm-hmm. and the strength that you have, that inner strength that you have, what do you think is the best approach for dealing with your mom? Um, so I think so. Since I uh, told her that I wasn't going to stay with her, um, mm-hmm. but that I would um, pop in as often as I could. Um, she sent me a number of uh, very aggressive emails, and I've, I've ignored them, um, which I firmly believe is the best tactic um, mm-hmm. to dealing with that. Um, I also haven't spoken to her for a few days. I think when I call her next, she probably will be a lot less annoyed. Um, and I just will reiterate, you know, how much I love her and um, that, you know, emotionally I'm there for her, but just um, physically I can't be there the whole time. Um, there are other things. There are also other things going on in my family, other people who need my support um, and my mm-hmm. time. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so I just think continuing to be very clear about that and then the same thing when I get back, just sticking by um, that commitment that I've made, which is, you know, to visit as much as I can, but not to stay mm-hmm. there, um, to stay very, very calm, to, I also think that um, actually practicing meditation and yoga in as close proximity as possible to me going to see her will be a very powerful um, way of mm-hmm. helping me stay very grounded. Um, mm-hmm. And then just limiting my time um, that I'm with her. Yeah. Yeah. So not too not so some, too long periods at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What what would be a reasonable time limit for you? Um I think starting with 2 hours and then maybe I think a maximum of 3 hours, honestly. I would mm-hmm. love to say more, but that feels like the right time for me. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah, you know, the so there's there's the internal boundaries of just how much you're going to allow her stuff uh, to, that's a clinical term, stuff, uh, <laughs> her stuff <laughs> to affect you. Um, and then there's the outer boundaries of setting, you know, time and distance limits, you know. Um, so those sound like really, uh, those sound like really great strategies. How, how effective do you think you'll be at not getting hooked by some of the things that she might say that that I imagine might be designed to manipulate and hook you. <laughs> You're so wise, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, there's, there's lots of that behavior um, from her, uh, not just with me in general. Um, right. I think that uh, I realized uh, it took me a very long time to realize, but I did finally realize that it wasn't just with me, that it was with everybody. And um, when I realized that, that made it infinitely easier to kind of tolerate, not tolerate, but um, yeah, tolerate manipulative Mm -hmm. behavior um, because Mm -hmm. it's not about me. But in terms of being triggered in the moment, um, I think that all of the boundaries that we just talked about will help infinitely with being less triggered. And I also yeah. feel very unashamed about just walking away without even even responding. You know, if she says something very inflammatory, I'm more than happy um, to just walk out the door. 
and say, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It's great because, you know, it, it's, it's the same way you've been handling the email. It's like, you know, look, best not to respond. Um, I love how you said that you feel like, you know, you can walk away without feeling ashamed of, of just mm-hmm. leaving. Um, and it sounds like it's, you know, it's really important to be able to do that without shame. Um, it might not be easy. It might not be painless. But, you know, the, 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 the lack of shame um, I think is going to be really, really important for you because mm-hmm. you have the right to take care of yourself. And, you know, sometimes it's hard for a parent to not see their kid as a kid, you know. Um, but, you know, you're a full-grown adult. You're a grown woman. It, it's, it's like you have to take care of yourself, and you have the right to take care of yourself um, and not have to get hooked into that kind of manipulation and feel like you're being a bad daughter if you don't answer her question right in that moment while she's demanding an answer or whatever it might be. Um, so I, I, I'm delighted to hear uh, that your, your own internal journey has taken you there. The other thing, too, is I love – I've heard the phrase once that I just – I find it so helpful. Um, it's, I don't have to attend every argument I'm invited to. <laughs> yeah, I love – I actually heard that a week ago. Um, ah. And I love it, too. Completely agree. And there was something with the Buddha where he said that somebody else's anger is like them trying to give you a gift, but you get to choose whether to accept it or not. So you can uh-huh. say, oh, thank you, but I can't possibly accept this gift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so I don't have to attend every argument I'm invited to. And, um, uh, you know, the other thing, too, that I always try to remember, if it, if, if it may help, is that, you know, everyone's on their journey. So your mom's on a journey that has nothing to do with you. You're on a journey that has nothing to do with her, and your lives get a little intertwined and, and they intersect. Um, you know, and what she says is about, you know, they, they say what's not, what other people say. What, what people say is about them. What we hear is about us. So recognizing what's her stuff and what's your stuff and keeping that separate. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and always giving her the message of love. Um, and, you know, always playing to uh, taking care of the relationship and, your, and yourself. What do you hear in some of that? Um, I, I, it resonates very, very deeply with me that what people say is about them and what you hear is about you. Um, I... I think that's a relatively new concept for me. Um, mm. but it's very, very empowering. Um, and I think that I can be hearing somebody, somebody's words, which could previously have been construed as really, really destructive, really deeply hurtful. And now mm-hmm. I can just hear them as um, this person is, is, is sad, is struggling, is on their own journey, and they don't mean mm-hmm. what they're saying. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when, I, when I'm able to look at it in that way, it's much, much more empowering. It's much easier to be more compassionate towards the person, whoever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. So I really, I love that you mentioned that. And then, and then the stuff as well. Yeah. Differentiating um, which stuff is mine, which stuff is hers. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very freeing to do that, I think. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've heard it also said that there's stuff that's in my boat and there's stuff that's outside of my boat. I can only deal <laughs> with the stuff that's in my own boat, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's great. Um, well, good, good. So biggest takeaway from this from this conversation for you? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think the biggest takeaway, this was amazing. I'm so grateful. Um was honestly just just you validating me that kind of the the plan that I had in my mind is actually it does come from a place of love um both self love and love for her um self love mm-hmm. is is a much newer thing for me than it is than loving other people is um mm-hmm. but I can safely say at this point that I do really really love myself and I want to protect myself as if I were a friend of mine. Um, And so just kind of hearing that from you um, has really brought me a deep sense of peace where I was feeling a bit anxious before that maybe I was being overly harsh. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) The sirens are... (laughs) Right, one of the the luxuries of living in this city. (laughs) Yeah, Manhattan life. Um, I'm not sure whether that means anything, but <laughs> I think it's there to say, hey, here's an obnoxious noise. Let's see if you're still going to stay super calm. And, <laughs> and I loved you just kind of stayed calm and waited until it passed. There's a good strategy for uh, for possibly dealing with mom, huh? Yes, definitely. Transferable yeah. skills. <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> Well, Amy, thank you. I'm I'm uh, I'm glad that was helpful. I'm glad we were able to make a little bit of a difference for you. And I really thank wish you, so you the much. best of luck when you go back over there. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Ah, you're very welcome. So have a really great night. You too. Bye. Bye bye. Yeah. So dealing with parents can uh, often be a very difficult thing, especially when there's other kinds of emotional uh, issues that are involved. Um, so uh, we do have some other callers uh, I do see that are calling in. So just to kind of uh, manage that a little bit, we're going to be doing our second coaching when we come back from our commercial break in a minute. Uh, and then after, at the end of the show, um, I'll then reach out to pick up the, uh, any other callers that are on the line. For now, um, what we're going to do is take a short break while I announce some great stuff that's available to you as a Mark My Words listener from our sponsor, Audible.com. Mark My Words is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our URL, which is audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio, you'll get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And there are some great titles that relate even to tonight's topic. And one of those titles that I have found is Toxic Parents, Overcoming Their Hurtful Legacy and Reclaiming Your Life. Uh, That's written by Craig Buck and Susan Forward, and it's narrated by Joanna Perrin. In this remarkable self-help guide, Dr. Susan Forward 
I'm sorry, Dr. Susan Forward draws on case histories and the real-life voices of adult children of toxic parents to help you free yourself from the frustrating patterns of your relationship with your parents and discover a new world of self-confidence, inner strength, and emotional independence. And now, back to Mark My Words with certified life and business coach, Mark Shaw. Okay, and we are back. And uh, the next person we have on the line for a little bit of on-the-spot live coaching is Karen. And uh, so, Karen, thank you for calling in tonight, and welcome to Mark My Words. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. It's my pleasure. So uh, what's going on for you tonight? Okay, well, um, I am embarking on a new business venture I have been um, in the same sort of career boat for the last 13 years, so doing something that I absolutely loved for a while and now find myself in a position where I am changing my focus, changing basically careers, and having a lot of angst about, you know, whether it's the right path to be on and um, having a lot of sort of... um, uh, doubts and just sort of insecurities come up that I'm really surprised to be feeling. Because um, normally I feel pretty self-confident about what I do and how I do it. And um, just a little background, I'm, you know, the mid, mid to upper 40s <laughs> mom okay. to um, going through that, you know, sort of life transition where my oldest just graduated from high school. And um, uh, while I've graduation and with my... Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you. One down, one to go, no. Um, but um, so I've, I've sort of been that, you know, um, stay-at-home slash work-at-home mom. So I've had a lot of that in my life, and I've been lucky enough to do a job for the last 13 years that I could be here for the kids, but also, um, you know, contribute and also have something for myself and have my own business. Um, so I'm now transitioning into hopefully – um, becoming a life coach, so I'm thrilled to be mm-hmm. on the call with you. Um, and I'm going through a great program, and I am just, um, it's bringing up a lot of, like I said, insecurities, and I'm, I'm getting sort of surprised at how resistant I sort of am to either change or to believing that I'm going to be successful at this. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Good. So, you know, and and a lot of my listeners are are, uh, new coaches, coaches that are just starting out. Some are experienced Mm -hmm. coaches as well as people that aren't coaches. Um, So this will actually be helpful for for many of listeners because I'm sure you're not the only one going through uh, something similar. (laughs) And, of course, you know, as – as an instructor uh, at one of the top coaching institutes in the world, IPEC Coaching, which I know you're familiar with, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I see this all the time with students. So um, it's a hugely common challenge. So first of all, congratulations on making the leap and getting involved in moving uh, from from your old job to a new one, um, you've already mm-hmm. taken steps to do that. You've made a big investment in yourself to do that, and that's. That's worth a big congratulatory pat on the back. Mm. Well, thank so, you. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, you know, it's it's not uh, it's not inexpensive time wise or cost wise uh, to make that kind of investment. 
um, and do that. So, uh, so good for you, and hats off to you. Um, I'm curious. I'm curious, Karen, as to what are some of the what are some of the things that you're thinking with regard to will I be able to be successful at this? What are some of the thoughts um, that come to your mind um, in that conversation in your head? Yeah. Um, my other job was something was indirect sales, so I feel confident on the sales portion, sort of of you know going out there and networking and and sort of uh, accrued a lot of business. So on that thing, but the the thoughts that I'm surprised, I guess I'm surprised because I thought I've done this before, but what's coming up for me is now I'm marketing myself. And so it comes up with a lot of, okay, well, little things like, um, you know, getting your first paying client, which I actually have, which is wonderful, but, you know, how much to charge or how how do I put a price on the value that I'm bringing? And, um, you know, just because before everything was determined for me, you know, these were the products I was selling, this is what the price was, mm-hmm. and I was basically saying buy them through me and why buy through me. So now I feel like I'm going out to the world and saying, what do I have to offer for you, you know, and um, mm-hmm. how, yeah, how can, how do I put a price on what I have to offer? And having not even completed my training yet, I know I'm still in that journey, but I guess I'm having a lot of angst about the outcome is what it is, is what, mm-hmm. you know, I'm having a tar- hard time, quote, enjoying the journey, as they say, um, and mm-hmm. just letting go of the outcome um, versus being like, okay, you know, I invested a lot of time and money in this. I, I need to make money, and what if it doesn't work? Those right. are thoughts going through my head. <laughs> yeah, okay. So really a lot of it might not work. Um, I don't know what my value is. How, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure that what I do is valuable and is something that people will want to buy. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hearing. Is that, is that accurate? Yes, yes. Even though I personally have experienced the value of it, I guess um, I'm just not confident enough in my abilities to provide it for other people. Although I do feel, you know, I am getting there and getting stronger and everything. It's just still that, that, and and honestly, Mark, I'm a little annoyed at myself. I have to be honest. <laughs> okay. Tell me I'm about that. I'm annoyed because I I know I I'm annoyed because I feel like I should know better. Because in my other position, I was in the same way in the sense that I didn't overthink things like I'm doing now. When when I was told, hey, just do this and jump right in, I did, and then I just trusted mm-hmm. the process, and it all worked out. And I always joked that I did nothing um, extraordinary except for do what they said was to be successful, and I was successful. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of wondering why I'm not having that same just trust. These are the people who know what they're talking about, you know, or, you know, this is a, a journey right. you're on and just do the thing. So I'm I'm having a resistance to it. I'm not really sure why. Um, so you've had success in a similar type of situation, in, similar, in several situations before, right? Yes, I have. Okay. Yes. So as you think about, maybe one of those situations. Um, what, what about you? Well, first of all, tell me about one of those instances. Mm-hmm. Tell me about one of those instances where, you know, you were embarking on something new, you just weren't sure, but you trusted the process, and you were successful. 
Right. Well, I can think of, of one in particular that comes to mind is when I was only a month or two into that business, um, I took on a big event, like thousands of people would come to this event, and I, I signed up to be a vendor there and um, really didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but just tr- just thought, well, that's what you do, so I'm just going to jump in and do it. And um, it actually felt amazing because it's like I didn't know any better. Do you know what I mean? I didn't have any expectations. I didn't – I just – did my best, got some feedback for some people, um, went there, went there with a purpose, with a specific goal in mind, which was to, you know, grow my audience and also to, um, actually, I was pretty proud of myself. I can share this, Mark. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty proud because um, I, I'm in a company that um, sells food. So my goal was there was an orientation before the um, about how to be a successful vendor. So I, it was uh-huh. free to go for vendors. So I went, and I went with the idea that you know I was going to find out if they offered any gifts to their clients during the event um, to other uh-huh. vendors, and I went with the goal of having them um, buy my products to be served to the other vendors. So mm-hmm. even before I walked in the door, I had already made, and, and that's exactly what I did, and I had already made like a six seven eight hundred dollar sale before the event even started and I I was I felt great you know I'm like okay you know I I just did it (laughs) Uh and it worked Uh out wonderfully and it was a great feeling what what about so congratulations I mean that's that's pretty (laughs) awesome what what would you say made it work like what about you not not the strategy but like Mm -hmm. what about you made that work successfully? Mm, that is a great question. I think it was my belief in the product and what I was doing. Like I, I really did and still do love the products and mm-hmm. I loved the whole um, value of what the company um, was about. I loved um, I thought they were very much in line with my beliefs. And so what I deemed important or things that they did, um, like, you know, celebrating accomplishments and sort of that fun atmosphere and the, and everything like that. And so I just felt like um, doing something, you know, that's that's what made it work. I just believed. I just believed that, you know, I was sharing something really good with people that I was excited about. And that's what mm-hmm. made it work. Okay, yeah. great. So when you when you're when you're excited about something because you mm-hmm. know that it's valuable, right? You're unstoppable. I am. <laughs> yeah. Great. Great. So how can you use that same quality of of what do we call that unstoppableness <laughs> to coin a term? Um, un- unstoppability. I don't know what you want to call that, um, but. What would you, how would you use that same quality in this venture of starting up your coaching business in order to be successful at it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that um, I'm learning, I think, day by day how much value. Uh, the reason I got into coaching is that I really think the biggest value that anybody can bring to the world is um, the right to be heard. Um, or, you know, to 
to hear somebody and to really understand, not necessarily understand them, but just to be heard. To, uh, they matter. Mm-hmm. They're important. And um, yep. the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that that really is a, a core belief of mine, a core thing that I think is extremely important. And um, that is what I want to give out to the world. And I think sometimes I get a little bogged down in the, the house and the, uh, the steps um, mm-hmm. versus really taking the time to think, hey, you know what, I really do believe that what I'm doing is, is, can help people and that mm-hmm. it's a core thing. And so, honestly, just had an aha moment. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Okay, and um, what was the aha moment? <laughs> my aha moment is that I do believe in what I'm doing. It's when I get bogged yeah. down in the, um, all the details, not that you don't have to learn these things, but I just have to um, remind myself why I'm doing this. And why, uh-huh. uh, why I think it's important, and how I think every single person in the world can benefit from this. Um, mm-hmm. I really do. Uh, yeah. it's, it is one of my core <laughs> and values, or you know, yeah. And remember yeah. that when I am enthusiastic about something, I am unstoppable. Yeah, sure. And on a scale of one to ten, how enthusiastic would you say you are about coaching? Right now, a ten and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, then you'll be unstoppable at that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing you know. to worry about. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and I'm really, really clear that you know, because you're in touch with it right now, aren't you? You know that you're going to be great at this. It's, it's just mm-hmm. when those details show up and, the, and you get bogged down in them that that's where you start to doubt yourself. True. True. And, 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 and you, that sounds, and you, you know. Said, mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, and you just said yourself that you know that um, and yeah. that you know that you'll be able to let the details go and, you know, and just, these weren't your words, but to put it in my words, to just be in your fabulousness without being <laughs> bogged down with those. <laughs> what are you going to say? Yeah, well, and I was going to say that, you know, when you said that, when you said, when I said true to what you said, some part of me also, I think it's my inner critic gremlin, whatever you want to call it, coming out going, who are you to think that you're going to be so fabulous, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I need to make a fabulous gremlin or something. But, um, yeah, because, and I do, well, and you know I what? know Let's I answer that. that. Let's answer that question. Who the hell are you to think that you're so fabulous? <laughs> Tell me. I'm a person that sees good in the world, that wants to help people, and that has a positive attitude about life and um, when I really believe in something, I want to share it with somebody. I want to share it with everybody, actually. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know who I think I am, <laughs> but that's who I think I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and, and here's something else that, that I hear, Karen, is that you really get, one of the things that you seem to really get in the world is the value of what I like to call witness. You talked about listening and paying attention to and hearing somebody, right? That's what I call mm-hmm. witnessing them. You know, we all like to have witnesses to us, to ourselves mm-hmm. in the world. When someone really sees you and gets you, right, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I get that you really get that. That's that core value that you were talking about that you have that coaching allows you to express in the work that you do. 
true. You're going to make me cry. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm I mean, curious. I mean, can I ask where does that value come from for you? Um, that is a great question. Where does it come from? Honestly, I think it comes from two places. It comes from having had a father who gave me exactly that. I felt it completely seen and heard and valued for me. And then having a mother, and who's and my father passed away two years ago. And then oh, having a mother where I don't, oh, thank you. <laughs> but And then having a mom who I don't feel that connection with. Mm. Um, and so the contrast of those two, um, and I was listening to your, you know, earlier caller. Mine, mine are, were married, you know, the whole time and, uh-huh. and together and everything. And so having got that from somebody, I know how important it is to me. And then yeah. um, not getting it from someone else it makes me want to give it to, to think that everybody deserves that. Um, with yeah. no blame placed on people who don't, I just think that that's what I can offer. Yeah. Yeah, you get both sides of it. You know what it's like to yeah. have it, and you know what it's like to not get it. Mm-hmm. And that's going to make yeah. you a really, really uh, uh, empathic coach. Mm-hmm. You know, and how much value does that have? A huge amount, I hope, <laughs> to the world, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we know what happens when people don't have that, you know. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's like, I don't know, I'm just getting this image in my mind of, you know, they talk about people who work in hospitals just holding babies that are orphaned because, you know, babies just not being held and having that kind of touch. Oh, my gosh, Mark, um, yeah. I wanted to do that for a while. Really? <laughs> yes, yeah. I did. I did. I wanted yeah. to, like, the border babies that people maybe just leave in the hospital, drug addict moms, and you go and you hold them. I so yeah, wanted exactly. to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's such important work, I mean, you know, physiologically mm-hmm. as well as psychologically for these infants. And I think this is kind of a form of that. It's, it's I notice you and I care about you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love you, Mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of the message to that infant. And we need that as adults. And that's what this witnessing, this, you know, that we're talking about provides for people. It's, I -hmm. notice you, I hear you, I'm giving you love, I feel love for you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you matter, you're important. And that's Mm -hmm. what it sounds like is your core message as a coach. Um, And that's enormously valuable. So that's something to be excited and get out of bed for in the morning, isn't it? It is. It is. And until this moment, I didn't realize, I mean, I know how much it means to me, but it's in, it really helps to hear you say that because um, even though I intrinsically know that, part of me thinks, okay, how valuable is that to the world? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, um, you know, yeah. business-wise. Well, see, what's I, the I'm answer to that? So what's the answer to that, though? How valuable is opinion. that to the world? Yeah. yeah. I think it's invaluable. I just, Absolutely. and so I just have to trust that I know that. Yes. And, you know, you're early in your training as well, so there's going to be Mm -hmm. plenty more coming that's going to help you with the business side of it. And what you're going to learn is that the business side of coaching is not just the outer work of business, it's the inner soul-searching piece uh, of your value and your worth and all that, which is very exciting, Um, you know, which is why sometimes people say, well, how much should I charge as a coach? And it's like, well, there isn't an answer anyone can give you to that because it's really, Mm -hmm. it's, it's an inner search of ourselves. 
Um, and uh, so, and that's a very exciting process. So I encourage you to continue to be open to the process and uh, trust it as you move forward through it. I absolutely so. will. I'm very excited. Great. Well, good. Excited. Good. So uh, what's your biggest insight from this, uh, this conversation? Um, that I'm unstoppable, apparently. No. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Great. No. <laughs> um, really that I am at the right place at the right time and that the value that I want to give to people is something that's so aligned with so important to me that I can't wait to share it with people. And honestly, just calling into the show tonight – Something made me volunteer, to, you know, to do this because I thought, you know what, I want to put myself out there. I mean, it's a little scary, to be honest, <laughs> um, you know, sure. to do this and to be vulnerable. But um, I think I'm already taking those steps of jumping in when I know I should. So I feel like I'm um, on the right path and just being validated again by you that, you know, um, that it is important to people. And this is, you know, mm. what I can bring to the table is valuable. Great. Well, it certainly is, and I'm glad that you're out there doing it. And you're part of the army of coaches in the world raising the consciousness of people and uh, and making that kind of difference. So uh, good work. Very good, Karen. Thank you so much for uh, for calling in tonight and being so open. Thank you so much, Mark. It was great. Uh, you're so welcome. All righty. Good luck, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Yeah, sometimes, you know, all we need is a little bit of validation and understanding of and insight into ourselves um, before we move forward and to just trust the process. Um, we do have another caller on the line that has called in who's been holding for some time. It's one more person. So let's go ahead and, uh, and pick you up. Hi, welcome to Mark My Words. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show, man. Sounds, uh, I must Hi. admit, um, very interesting uh, discussion there regarding the uh, validation very interesting, very good point. Great. Glad to, glad to hear that you're finding value in it. So, uh, so who am I speaking with and what can I help you with tonight? Okay. Uh, my name is Andrew. Uh, <laughs> I suppose you could just say I mostly live online, um, okay. <laughs> which is possibly not such a good thing. But um, I'm very interested in the business coaching and the uh, combined with life coaching aspect of what you do. Um, you know, I'm looking at different business models and things uh, which are extremely tricky, I think, to, to get in place. Uh, I think a lot of people with that thing of validation and you want to connect with people that actually understand you it is extremely tough. I think most people deal with it in this world because, you know, even coaching as a concept, it's like really tough because I, like what that lady just said, you know, um, she wants to be able to maybe just go and hold babies in the hospital and, and as much as she might like to go and do that, maybe she also has this pull towards earning the living that she needs or whatever it might be. And uh, because we live in this very monetized society that's incredibly imbalanced, uh, you know, mm -hmm. unfortunately, like, you know, just having someone to talk to becomes a commodity. So I really struggle with these issues. Like, um, you know, how do we find balance in a world where there are so many systemic crises going on? And, and you have a lot of the answers, but at the same time, very few people will actually listen. So it's almost like you have to dedicate your whole life just to maybe education and maybe two or three generations later, there's the 120-year problem as well. You know, most people, if uh -huh. they make it to 70, you're doing well. If you get to 120, well, then you're really blessed, like as some people would say. 
but uh, but this is a challenge. I mean, a systemic issue um, where we see all these challenges around the world, and it's it's all to me, it's all interconnected. But to most people, they'll say, "Oh, well, you know, you can't do everything." I'm like, "Hang on, but could we all do it together?" But then most people don't want to actually even begin to have to think about those aspects of reality because it's easier to just say, "Well, sure. I hope that one day the government will take care of it." Anyway, that's my yeah. fifty-five cents. <laughs> sure. Uh, by the way, where are you calling from, Andrew? I'm in Africa at the moment, so um, I yeah, if I could put it that way, okay. I mean it's great. Yeah. Cool. Great. I try not to like find myself to one location. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and how did you find the show? Oh, Blog Talk. Uh, it's um, it's it's always interesting to see what's going on Blog Talk. So your show looked interesting, so I decided to call in. Great. Well, I'm glad that you did. So. Uh, so all the way from across the world, wonderful. So I'm curious, Andrew, um, how do you find that balance for yourself? Because I think you raise a really, really good point. It's like, you know, we all want to solve the world's problems, and there's only so much that one person can do, and we have to earn a living, right? So tell me, how do you, how do you strike that balance for yourself? Well, I think that's part of the reason why I'm calling in. I, I really do feel that my life is very imbalanced, um, uh, at the moment because uh, or even just for a while because you know a lot of people the reason and I don't want to get too personal but the reason that most people get into wanting to change the world is, is usually people that have come out of adversity uh, you know uh, I, I've, I've heard it said that um, you know people that have lived their whole lives with, with, with luxury and, and no problems um, they um, don't generally have this like this drive to to want to change everything and uh, or as, as much as possible because yeah until you've actually experienced it uh, you know having lack or going through trauma or whatever it might be people generally don't want to have to do anything extra it's, it seems to be human nature uh, so you know I mean it's it's I mean like you hear all these stories like maybe some guy goes bird watching in some far off land and sees natives getting slaughtered by militia and all of a sudden this person's traumatized by this now they've got this passion for it but you know whereas two years earlier it might have come on the news in passing but they kind of go oh that's terrible and carry on eating their dinner so right. I don't know I think maybe my my uh, my reasons for explaining this are becoming across a bit muddled because there's many thoughts going through my head but um <laughs> The uh, yeah, the challenge is to you know to try and figure out how we can do all of these things, and there really just is so much. And I think through what's called, um, interestingly enough, Robert Steele's been speaking about this a lot. He speaks he speaks about open source everything, and um, he's a guy that used to be in the CIA. He's currently focusing on uh, getting open source technology out to people, and also collective intelligence. And collective intelligence is like. You know, how do you gather information to be able to say, for example, provide water security in a conflict zone? Um, right. How does that actually work? You know, you need to actually have all the input from everyone on the ground. So I'm very I mean, actually. If in I that, can interrupt you for just of... for just one second, sure, I, I apologize because um, we're going to run out of time shortly. But I want to make sure to at least give you something valuable before we're done. Um, you said that your life is is uh, out of balance at the moment. Um, what what in what way? Well, I would say that um, I personally, uh, I really struggle to connect with people in general uh, because I'm constantly looking for input into the projects and the things that I'm, 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 I'm hoping to be able to do. Uh, but the average people that I meet say they don't have much time. Um, 
everyone's trying to do their nine to five. Um, and uh, it's like this: if I had my way, let me work from the from the perfect from the perfect version. Yep. Yeah, backwards. what would be the perfect scenario? I, for you? My, yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, if I had my way, I'd be in like a big old massive sustainable village with like a huge building in the middle with like a hundred people in it all are sitting on laptops, like busy coding and figuring out how to solve <laughs> the world's problems with like a focus group of 10 people going, okay, cool. What do we do need to do next? Let's phone the German group. That's also a sustainable village, busy working uh-huh. to solve the world's problems. And everyone would be like, you know, fascinated by what they could do next. And, and they're busy dealing with, you know, let's stop the conflict between NATO and Russia. <laughs> so, right. so this is the, that would be the dream, right? But but unfortunately, you know what I'm curious about. They, I'm they, curious they about something about though. Sport, so, right? Well, where have you seen something like that? Because if you have that image in your mind, right? Where's where's that coming from? Where have you seen something that somewhat mirrors that kind of environment? Okay, two two places. Okay, one is like you know you look on YouTube and you look at some of these sustainable villages and and places that are like. Totally. Even the Amish people is a great example, but they don't use technology mm-hmm. uh, to its full extent, mm-hmm. but, but that, they've got good reasons for that. But so you see that that's that baseline taken care of. So that's, it's well known that that exists and that there's people that are very well connected. Uh, they're very much on the same wavelength psychologically that manage themselves very well to be able to sustain those environments. And then in the hacker community with things like Linux that have been created mm-hmm. to become these really amazing, successful enterprises by many volunteers, that now all your Android phones are running on Linux, et cetera, completely replacing the Windows environments, uh, you know, overtaking Windows and Nokia and all the different companies that were out there previously on mobile phones and now it's moving to the desktop. It's taken over the server market. That type of collective mm-hmm. uh, pro- problem solving and also looking at things called machine learning where we can actually use technology, uh, computers to be able to solve real-world problems in sociology, et cetera. That type of thing mm-hmm. I think could be crowdsourced or like open source and therefore yeah. allow people to collaborate on a whole new level. So, so it's combining those two things. I see it coming from the tech community in the open source world, and I see it coming from the um, sustainability uh, world where people also, the ethos is very strong. Uh, there's a good right. balance between sort of capitalism so, and uh, well, community living. So how, I'm guessing you have contacts in both of those realms. You just sound like somebody who would from what you're talking about. Am I correct? I have like, this is the strange thing though. I'm very much a hermit. Uh, I struggle to uh-huh. communicate with people. I have major issues <laughs> with perhaps yeah. how I come across because I feel so desperate to get it out. And I'm like, man, let's do something. And the average person just kind of like, dude, you're too intense. Um, but yeah, I do happen to know one guy from a sustainable village that's busy running it and uh, in the local area. And then in terms of the tech community, there's a lot of people that most people in the tech community don't have time to sit down for like a couple of days and figure out a problem. Um, mm-hmm. they're like working for the man or they're trying to solve a problem on some existing network. So right. yeah, it's, uh, there are people, but it's, it's very also yeah. sort of like, how do we deal with the parameters of, uh, really, um, you know, human existence. Unfortunately, that's what it comes down to. Right. So, you know what? I'm really curious. Can I make an observation? Okay. Would that be okay if I made an observation that I'm just noticing about you? Yeah, Sure. Okay, because this might be this might be helpful and valuable for you, um, and and I think you're probably already aware of it because you said you have trouble connecting with people and communicating with people. So one thing that I'm noticing is that um, as as you speak, you share a lot of data, right? 
and you could you know, you've you've got a really great gift for speaking and you're I, I could tell that and you're very intellectual uh you're obviously quite an intelligent man um and it's you're it, it, i get the sense that when you when it comes time to share yourself you're more comfortable staying in your head than really going deep and sharing you yeah, I really yourself, fear. Like, I, I really fear. I really fear. Um, you know, people maybe misunderstanding what is. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you could just elaborate on that because I, I'm not sure if I'm getting you exactly. But yeah, yeah, it's it's like I don't feel like as I'm speaking with you, I I, I get some of those senses of you that I that I that I had mentioned, but at the same time, um, I feel as though there's a barrier. Uh, Mm-hmm. That keeps some some emotional distance, right? Um, and, that, yeah, and it feels protective yeah, let me, for you. Sure. Look, I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes in life. Uh, you know, like there's things that I'm not proud of. I grew up very in a very messed up environment where I often felt like you know there was no sort of affirmation there. Um, and you know, looking back, I think that it's that fear of people looking at you and saying, "Oh, well." you know, you're no good, you know, you're not able, I mean, and also even people like, you know, getting on your case about um, things of the past, you know, it's like, oh, you're that guy that tried that thing that didn't work out, or you're that guy that did that thing that everyone would disagree with. It's a very big challenge because, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. society, our collective uh, group think dictates so much. So if I'm thinking in some cases way outside of the box, there's also so much counteraction to sometimes radical ideas. Like, you know, I mean, I don't want to compare myself to Elon Musk, but you look at the kind of flack, if I could call it that, if you get look at the kind of resistance that he got to implementing his his electric cars, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And it took him years to figure it out and to push through that. I mean, and as a kid, apparently he had his head, you know, uh, smashed against the schoolyard uh, floor because people just couldn't stand the fact that he was always coming up with these ideas or whatever it was and the kids just eventually put him in a coma for a week uh and it just feels like that thing of like when i was in also i mean i'm not i'm not trying to say i'm like elon but the point being that it's that same maybe of same kind of feeling of that you know you can't speak out because people actually just don't like it like when you're trying to make a point a lot of the time so you have to be very selective of who you speak to but then it becomes a very lonely place because like the people that Mm want to go down to the pub and talk about football don't necessarily want to talk about um, right. Yeah, building wireless networks across Africa. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sure. Sure. Well, yeah. No, I, I certainly hear you. Um, yeah. So it really sounds like you know, so, and we're going to have to wrap here, but it sounds like really working those contexts that you do have, and just reducing some of the fear of being vulnerable, uh, sound like some areas within which some of the answers you're seeking live. Um, and you know, as we were talking with my first caller uh, about setting boundaries uh, in her life, uh, regardless of what uh, what reaction others might have, and being willing to just have that reaction happen and be able to be present with it, um, and not have it run you mm-hmm. and make the decisions for you. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, I know that's that's the essence of a lot of the work that uh, uh, that I do with uh, with my clients, and. Um, I'd also recommend, if you'd like, uh, there's a really great um, 
personality and core values assessment that you could take for free on my website. Um, so if you want to visit uh, my website's main page at markshawcoaching.com, or just go to markmywordsradio.com and navigate to the home page from there. And take the free CVI assessment. It's going to give you some really amazing insights into who you are at your core, but I think we'll also shed some really, uh, some really good light on this for you. And I really appreciate your okay, calling in tonight, you. Andrew. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. All right. Okay, you're welcome. Thanks. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, that about wraps it up for tonight, as I invite you to mark your words if you'd like. If you have feedback about the show, just go to markmywordsradio.com and scroll down to the feedback link. If you'd like to follow the Life Coach Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio, just visit us at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Network and then click on the follow button. Also, visit our website at www.lifecoachradionetworks.com and learn about all of our networks. I hope you enjoyed the past hour and that you found it engaging, enlightening, and stimulating. You can listen to Mark My Words live on the first and third Sundays of every month at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, as well as listen to any previous show from my archives at markmywordsradio.com and on iTunes by searching Mark My Words. I look forward to speaking with you all again next time. Thank you for listening to Mark My Words. I'm Mark, and those are my words. Good night. <laughs>